On this episode of Whale Cave, Chip Pope's mom hates Prince, Elise Mamoon gets over a breakup with help from the Ghetto Boys, and host Matt Price dreams of respect in Canada. Whale Cave starts now. Welcome to Whale Cave, the podcast that just found out it got a callback to be the new Pope. That's right. It's between Whale Cave and a few cardinals. Vote for us on Twitter, folks. Whale Cave for Pope. That rocking song is called Upstarts, and it's by Johnny Marr off of his recently released debut solo album, The Messenger. Johnny Marr, of course, amazing guitarist from the Smiths. But you know, Morris, he didn't let him rock the mic. So Johnny Marr was like, guess what, Maz? I'm releasing my own album 30 years after we break up. Nailed it. But it's worth the wait. It's really good. Uh, I'm going to play a few clips from it throughout the show. And I'm going to tell you something. This uh, this album, The Messenger, is getting the whale cave, whale howl of approval. Ow! <laughs> four whale howls today on a scale of four. That means downloaded immediately. Four howls. I don't know. I'm trying out the whale howl thing. I don't know if I'm going to keep it. First time, first time whale howl bit. What do we think? Let me know. Okay. Uh, great show today. Uh, the very funny and musically astute Chip Pope is here. Uh, we both got our start uh, around the same time uh, on MTV. So um, excited to have him here. Uh, my other guest today, also very funny, the very talented Elise Mamoon is here. And we both had the pleasure of writing for Mr. Lewis Black at the same time. So I'm excited that both of them are here. Um, before we talk to Chip, uh, before I talk to Chip, I wanted to mention that I saw uh, a music documentary, Searching for Sugar Man, recently. Just won the Academy Award for Best uh, Documentary Feature. I talked about the Eagles documentary last time. And don't worry, this isn't going to be like a music documentary podcast. Um, although, if you want it to be, send an email. Um, but it's a really cool documentary. It's about this singer... Rodriguez, who was a folk singer, kind of Dylan-esque in the early 70s, and he had these two really cool albums that no one ever listened to. Uh, the album's both four whale howls. <laughs> okay, maybe we won't do whale howls anymore. <laughs> so far, this podcast is getting a, an, only one whale howl. <laughs> um, but the story of Rodriguez in Searching for Sugar Man uh, is really cool. Um, he basically, he becomes this, uh, he, he had these two albums and they were excellent except nobody bought them in the States. And then they find out uh, pretty, uh, pretty soon in the documentary that he became, he was huge in South Africa. Um, so anyway, it follows that story. I won't, I won't have any spoilers, but, um, it, but it's a cool thing. You should see it. Um, uh, but it's, the, the thing that was cool about it was it was really inspirational for you know, just as a as someone who um, fancy well, any for just any writer, singer, whatever, it's inspirational. But then I thought, is it is it not inspirational because, or is it not inspirational is the wrong word? But is it weird because are there now less successful artists who think maybe they should revive revive their otherwise failed music career? Like you know, Rodriguez didn't do anything for like thirty years, and then suddenly, like he's huge in South Africa. So, are there is there like some accordion player in Toledo who's like, oh, maybe I'm big in Trinidad and Tobago, and I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna revive my accordionness. And then I thought, am I one of those guys? Like, is there a huge film festival in Saskatchewan that's like all about Matt Price, and I just don't know it? Am I the Rodriguez of Saskatchewan? Like, is there, are there a bunch of people in Saskatchewan who are like, uh, thank you for coming. Uh, tonight we are pleased to show a compilation of Matt Price's work. Uh, we have his one line from Legally Blonde 2. <laughs> and the scenes he did in the canceled UPN show, The Parkers. UPN was also <laughs> deleted from television. <laughs> it's now part of the CW. But we have some other Matt, we have Matt Price's uh, Staples commercial from 1998. So Enjoy. It's sold out Saskatchewan Stadium. <laughs> Hundreds of thousands are coming. We'll also be reading Matt's unsold screenplays starring Saskatchewan's favorite actors. So it's a boot time. 
we got this going. Is that is that happening? Because the the theme to me of of uh, searching for Sugar Man is you never know. You just keep you just believe in your art, and you never know what can happen. So if you're listening, and in Saskatchewan, let me know. Give me some whale halls. <laughs> That was a little bit of the title track off of Johnny Marr's new album, The Messenger, now on iTunes and in that one store near you that still sells CDs. Hey, speaking of iTunes, how about going on iTunes and writing a nice review for old Whale Cave, a couple of whale howls? I'm done. I'm done with that joke. I'm also saying howls weirdly. I'm saying halls like you're like they're lozenges. It's not for like a like a whale with a dry throat. I need a howls. <laughs> The high-pitched, dry-throated whale. Folks, getting off to a start. So seriously, go on iTunes. You write a nice review. Also, follow me at, uh, at Whale Cave. That's the Twitter the Twitter account. And, uh, and email me, matt at whalecave.com, for any, any thoughts about anything. What, how are you? Just let me know. And let's get the Saskatchewan thing going. That's the other thing. Uh, but not in winter. It's a little chilly up there. Okay. My, uh, my first guest is the... A uh, very talented writer, actor, stand-up, man about town. Yeah, uh, yeah he's agreeing. <laughs> sure. Chip Pope is here. Uh, welcome. Hello. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, thanks for being here, Chip. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, I think the howls might work if you committed to them more, because you, I bailed you say really something has soon. four howls, and you just howled once, kind of. Oh, you should yeah, be he, forced to howl as many times as you think. Right. So it gets four whale howls, and it's... Something exactly. Like that. You think that would sell it more? Yeah, I think it just did. But just one howl, like, hmm. Right. And that's not so a great that would album. be for Eagles. Oh, okay. I was just, if you're doing documentary howls. Right. Yeah. I don't know what you're... Did you like that documentary? Because I just... I it. love the Eagles. I get a bad rap because of it. You know, but, I, was, I was just singing uh, loud. It's another thing I can blame my mom for, but, but I do love the Eagles. All right, we'll get into that, because I was just singing <laughs> I Can't Tell You Why in a very loud falsetto on the way here. Ah, uh, that's a great song. Great song. Great start. Oh, man. <laughs> love that song. Uh, um, by the way, I didn't see Searching for Sugar Man, but I did see the Kevin James story, Searching for Sugar, comma, man. Kevin. That's why I get scale plus ten. Yeah, for this, for just anything, oh. really, anything you say. Yeah, someone yeah. is knocks on the door. Here you go, Chip. Yeah, scale plus ten <laughs> on that joke. Um, oh, Kevin James. Hey, I was saying, you and I. So we sort of started. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but our first entertainmenty kind of jobs, like bigger jobs, were in the, around the same time at MTV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You were on Austin Stories, and do you? You wrote on Austin Stories, too. I mean, yes. You did everything. Wrote on it. Yeah. Performed That was your it. thing. Well, you ain't kind of. I mean, you know, there was a guy that uh, created it with us. I mean, we wouldn't have just come up with it on our own. It was the days before YouTube and stuff like that. Right. But, you know, we were discovered, I guess, by MTV and then promptly covered back up. You and Howard and Laura. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, I was on Apartment 2F around the, in the late 90s. Same time. Which was like a multi-camera. It thing. was their first was like and a... last multi-camera sitcom. <laughs> there hasn't been one since. There right? have been single-camera sitcoms, but mm-hmm. I don't think there have been multi-camera sitcoms. That's interesting. Ours was the first single camera. Yes. And I don't know if there's been that many. I guess Awkward is on now, but... Awkward in the R.J. Berger. Oh, yeah. R.J. Yes. And, uh, Legends of Big Wang Charlie or whatever that was called. Yeah, Real world. It's really cumbersome <laughs> to have a huge... Wang, if you're a white guy. You know, there was a spate of those shows for a while. Hung and... Yep. Oh, my cumbersome penis. Yep. And all the stories yeah. that everyone's interested in. Big Cock Johnson. To merit seven shows about this. Yeah, I gave Hung two and a half whale howls. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a half whale howl is hard. Jane Adams was good on that show, though. I don't know. Did Did you watch that show? Did anybody watch I did. I love Jane Adams. Yeah, she was great. Yeah, she was underrated. Yeah, we'll have to get Jane Adams on the podcast. Yeah, I just like saying that when anyone <laughs> throws anybody out. I'm like, I'll have to get, I'll have to get a Prince Prince on the podcast, Willie Nelson. Um, but I wanted you to come on the show not to talk '90s TV, which we right. could, 
We could. I'd love to, but I specifically want Jason because I feel like Smash Mouth. Hey now, um, I feel like occasionally we'll talk about music. I feel like you're just someone I know as somebody who, you know, very into music and love it. Would ha- love it and just have you know you'd have some <laughs> tales, some stories, to, and that's what we do here. We're Reminds okay. me of my daddy's heartbeat. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, I music. Don't know. <laughs> sure, that'd be a great heartbeat. Little tune. I was birthed by my father. So. Um, talk about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, but you were saying so, and you were saying you had some cool concert stories. Yeah, you yeah. To share. Well, I guess. I mean, you know, I mean, just like anybody, I guess. Uh, don't undersell it like I undersold Wheelhouse. <laughs> you are all. I got some amazing concert stories. It's true. Our own wow experiences. Everybody. Our own experiences that are so personal they become universal. Right on when they're said on a podcast. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And beamed out to bored people at work. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, I don't know. I, I guess the first show that I saw, one of the first shows that I saw, because uh, I, I grew up near Amarillo, Texas, mm-hmm. so it was just kind of dusty and bleak. And like, if you ever saw the last picture show, I did. Well, that's about you know probably three times as hilarious as actually growing up there. So. Um, it was that kind of experience. But uh, the first, there, there would be bands that would come to the Amarillo Civic Center. Mm-hmm. And since it was just an area with just a lot of burnouts and metalheads, uh, one of the Amarillo shows, was not just a Civic Center. Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. But but by proxy, I guess the Civic Center became right. that whenever the they would hub. have a concert. Burnout hub. Because the, the first show I was excited about going to see, but it got canceled, was uh, Hall & Oates. Ooh. But I, I don't know why they canceled or what happened. It was before you really you could get any information. You just heard that Hall and Oates was coming, and then it was canceled. Okay, great. So maybe Oates was like, "Wait, wait, 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 wait! Is that where all the burnouts hang out?" <laughs> yeah, I don't go there, man. Yeah, forget it, man. Yeah, I got a mustache <laughs> to take care of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My theory is that he really is the brains behind the group, and he keeps Daryl Hall in a cage um, after the shows, whips him, and when you were, let me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Uh... When Hall and Oates, I always thought Hall was Oates and Oates was Hall. Because really? I thought Daryl Mustache. That was just my, in my head. I'm like, well, John Oates isn't going to have that. Like, It's not even a mnemonic device or no, anything. It's but in my Darryl head, I'm like, a guy mustache. named Daryl has that big old mustache. He's kind of in the back, like, hey, what's up? <laughs> but John Oates is like that tall, blonde-haired guy. Like, hey, man, I'm John Oates. I don't know. Am I alone on this one? I, I, I think so because oh, wow. half <laughs> a whale how how did anyone not know really well I didn't I didn't read the how, how long before read. you knew I literally found out I have a t-shirt with John Oates on it and that's I think when I found I'm like that's Oates I just never really <laughs> I thought it was Hall it says Oates at the bottom and it's just a guy with a big it's his face <laughs> and I See, think that's when I found out it was a horrible world before the internet, really. I mean, I you're just stumbling, you know, everybody's just stumbling around in the dark. Yeah. Trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Yeah. Taking cues from Bob Seeger on how to live your life. You know, I mean, it was, it was bleak. On Main it was Street. bleak. You're right. I'm sorry, but I interrupted. Okay, so you're in Amarillo. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, no. What, what do you mean? It's your podcast. No, I know, but um, it's really yours. One of the, uh, so anyway, so then one of the bands that came that I, I went to see, uh, after that was like the big was uh well Miss Night Ranger they came missed that one, um but I remember the front page of the paper in the the local paper mm-hmm. uh had a kid uh Mark Nuttall who uh, caught the first pick at Night Ranger that was a front page story he, he caught the what he was the pit a guitar pick so oh, he was like holding pick. up the pick and it had a quote that said I caught the first pick <laughs> <laughs> and just said Mark Nuttall at the Night Ranger show. <laughs> Uh, but then, uh, so anyway, so the one I went to see that was uh, uh, the Scorpions, and uh, the opening act was Loudness, mm-hmm. this Japanese band. So it was a Japanese band and then a German band. It was basically just metal as a second language, because uh, Loudness comes out. They don't know a lot of English. It's going to sound horrible when I say this, but the opening salvo was, Hello, I'm a willow. <laughs> We are wildness. And then, you know, they went into their barrage of uh, Japanese metal songs that were kind of in, you know, broken English. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, uh, you know, but just uh, doing it the way, I guess, that 
I never heard any other Japanese metal band, so I'm not sure if I've never heard one. But you know, it's 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 a big uh, it's big there. Metal was is just huge. Were you into metal past, as like, a kid? Thirty years, not particularly. But you just were I like, mean, well, there's somewhat. no other shows happening. Yeah, it was just you go with friends and everything, right? And uh, the other, and so then when the Scorpions came out. They come out and uh, their their thing was we're the scorpions and we're gonna sting ya, sting ya, sting ya. <laughs> and they open with Rocky like a hurricane, which Ooh. was the song that yeah. Where do you go? Where do you up go? There? You think oh it's not, but it just they kept going up. You know, oh. I think I think maybe they ended with a blackout or something. Do you know that song blackout? I feel yeah. like I know one other Scorpion song, but I wouldn't know the title of it. So you know, so that that was an interesting. Um, time because it was like before they metal bands started dressing up as women so it's like the the crowd kind of reflected the people on stage Mm -hmm. you know anger yeah because it never really got to that way in texas to where like i guess in the big cities when glam came along the people that were attending the concerts dressed like women too but they were men i don't know (laughs) that just seems like a weird time right in rock history where you have Motley Crue on stage and then the whole audience is guys that look like girls. I, I don't know. I mean, there should be like psychoanalysis on it or something. There might be. There probably is. Somewhere. There probably is. Definitely not here. But uh, one of the other interesting shows in uh, Amarillo that was billed as like a great fun time was this group called The Out... There was The Outfield. I don't know. Sure, Your Love, yeah. Pop songs, yeah. Uh-huh. And so, I don't know who came up with it, but there was a minor league uh, baseball club in town. And, um, you know, they had the the Gold Sox diamond. And so, uh, somebody's idea was like, we're bringing the outfield to the outfield. (laughs) And so, it wasn't exactly like the Beatles at Shea Stadium or anything like that. It was basically, it's just the outfield. On a uh, on pitch on the pitcher's mound, right? From the old opening band, pretty much got pelted with snow cones. I don't remember who the was opening it band was. It wasn't loudness. No, it wasn't loudness. I think it was some local band who you know won a contest to open for the outfield on the outfield, right? And then uh, you know, it, basically everyone's just sitting in a minor league ballpark with yeah. the sun shining on their face. Were they on you know, the pitcher's mound? Because that's not even in the yeah, outfield. They're there. Yeah, exactly, oh. right? Yeah. I mean, I get they didn't spread out much. False advertising. They were, just, they were kind of between they were between the pitcher's mound and the uh and second home, base. home plate. Oh. You know, like a little stage. Huh. But um Major minor league baseball teams are notorious for that kind of just that kind of promotion though. Oh yeah, yeah. Just I mean this is before I mean, the days of right. like, you know, when they had with someone dressed up as a sumo or or doing the chicken dance or whatever you do at a minor league ballpark now yeah like goofy like like i just read some minor league baseball team is having a thing where like you can show up with you get in free with manti tail's girlfriend <laughs> like that's the bit that's pretty cute yeah like you show up with your arm <laughs> like around that. somebody yeah she's not there um <laughs> okay so um and then you went you went to school in austin when school well, there's Austin, a lot, you know, that's like a music. lot more music, more options there. But you know, when you're 18, you're kind of a snob. You don't uh, necessarily see what you're getting. I remember going to a replacement show and being like, "These guys can't even play their own instruments. They're so drunk." <laughs> Just being like offended, like, right? Walking out, you know. <laughs> Forget this amateur yeah. night. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So, in that, this is now in Austin when you're a snob. Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, your first year of college, it's horrible. See, I was that was I was more. I think I was very open to that kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. That's yeah, good. I wasn't jaded yet. Uh huh. I was like, oh, cool. They might be giants. Oh well, yeah. They've got well, a drum machine. Like well, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I saw some shows I really liked. I mean, I saw OMD open for Depeche Mode, mm. which is like both scales of the synthesizer spectrum. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the high whiny guy, and then the low voiced whiny guy. You know, that's yeah. what we're doing there. And then, uh, oh, I lived in a dorm, and there was always a uh, this, uh, you know, all the characters in the dorm. And uh, one time, this dude had uh, tickets to see Sting, but he didn't want to go because he wanted to watch Airwolf. And so <laughs> uh, <laughs> he just gave me a ticket to go see Sting. So I went to that. It was pretty cool, but. Uh, you know, of course, Sting, as pretentious as he is, one of the songs, he was just like, 
this next song is in seven eights. It goes like this. And he starts like counting, <laughs> you know, seven eights out. And he was just like, you, you can count. I'm going to play. You know, that was his introduction for that. And that always struck me as kind of wanky. Janet Varn and I talked about Sting a lot and our mutual love of Sting Uh and how, yeah, he he was really pretentious, but we were really into him. Like, he's he's very, yeah, he had very long openings, just, you know, and condescending. But still, I was like, yeah, (laughs) you're right. And his songs were, you know, about like Russians and and just, you know, Cold War. Did he ever find out if the Russians love their children? (laughs) I I don't know if he did. Why would they not? He never wrote a follow-up. Why would people not love their children? Well, in because Russia. he hoped they did. <laughs> I know. But it's just like, but why would you even? Yeah. Why would that be a question? Huh. Uh, you know, they've got some nuclear crap over there, but I hope they love their kids. My, th- I remember. Well, we were talking about how he pronounced Nabokov, or what he said, Nabokov, Nabokov, but he pronounced it, I guess, correctly. And I was like, that's, you're not pronouncing it right, Sting. But then I read, he was like, no, that is how you pronounce Nabokov. It was like <laughs> Nabokov or whatever, whatever it's supposed to be. He did it right. That famous book. That famous book by Nabokov. Yeah. That's what he says, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that the line? Yeah. And he oh, had yeah. it right. And I was like, it's whatever, the other way. I don't remember what he said. <laughs> but I remember as a 14-year-old, I was like, come on, Sting. Oh, yeah, man. You're not He's, he right. took your mind to different places. <laughs> he did. When you were like really susceptible. Sting made me it. think. He made me think. Um, were there other shows in Austin that, like, grabbed you? Oh, boy. In, in a hilarious way? Uh, there was a good, that, that, that club, well, it was called the Austin Music Hall. I think now there's, like a, like, a condos there or something. But the great thing about that club is the box office stuck out from the uh, club itself. And if you snuck around... Uh, on the side of the box office, you could see the list of people that were supposed to get comp to get in mm-hmm. uh, without the uh, box office people seeing you. Oh. So a lot of times we would just go and look on the list and just pretend to be whoever right. was in yeah. on the list, not having any feelings about who <laughs> right. would come up eventually and, yeah. and um, claim, you know, and the actual person. Right. So I saw a lot of gr- great shows that way at that place. Big As Audio, Al Dynamite. or whoever. As Al Gore, yes. Yeah. Al Gore, too, for Al Gore. So, <laughs> Al Gore here to see The Cure? Al Gore here to see uh, uh, Indigo Girls? Who would Al Gore? Who was saving the planet? I think he would see the Indigo Girls. I think that's Probably perfect. would, right? Yeah, definitely. And Creedence Clearwater Revival. Oh, of course. It, those are two big Al Gore bands. I feel like Austin, I was, and, and I went to uh, University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, and so... Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of bands came through there, but probably nothing like Austin. I feel like Austin. Did you know when you? I went don't know there? because sometimes it was it, it, it's a pain in the ass to get down to Austin. Like now, it's not for some reason because it's a cool place. But right. twenty five years ago, some the biggest the biggest bands would just skip it entirely. A oh, lot really? Of times, yeah, because they're the 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 highest capacity place in Austin was like seventeen thousand people or something like that. So they would forego it to go to Dallas or um, oh. Houston. So, you but know, maybe Ann Arbor Amarillo? saw more. Oh, no, no. Those band, no. Besides the Scorpions. <laughs> that was, those no. the big, that was the big. Oh, no, yeah. Yeah. Come on, the outfield didn't even get no to one play else played at the, the Civic outfield. Center. Right. They, they played an outfield. Um, oh, that's where I, I guess I always, I've been to Austin once. I kept it very weird. Uh-huh. That's but, good. Yeah. Just like in Portland. You have to do it. But um, I, I just felt like there was music everywhere. I mean, felt oh like yeah, yeah. There were like, and it was well, yeah. It wasn't like the big, maybe not the big stadium band, but there were a million like Sharon Jonesy type. Like, oh yeah, yeah. And then the people that bands. the people that were that had a thing at some point in Austin. You also see uh, playing shows, you know, in like smaller places, like uh, every every week. My my mom for some reason. My mom is seventy three and she still she still goes out i i really admire she goes out to see music every week she does yeah like what she, kind of music she goes to this one place well it's the guy from fastball she loves the guy what? that was in fastball this miles and miles zinaga 
Zuniga. How, how does Daphne say it? Same last name. But uh, I don't know. How does Sting she, say Daphne she, Zuniga's <laughs> name? Zuniga. It's Zuniga. That famous book by Zuniga. Yeah. But uh, she goes to see. She goes to see them every week. It's just this group fastball of lives people. in Austin. Yeah. Okay. So. It's it's um, do they jam in sort of a yeah a John like Bryan kind, of, kind of way? Is he the John yeah. Bryan of? Uh, no, I don't think he plays like a harpsichord. I don't think he plays a lot of stuff. And but he, he doesn't okay. wear but I was wearing like a corduroy. <laughs> but he but does he he just does he get up and play fastball songs? No, he he just plays you know the uh, his own songs okay. with this other these two other guys that are kind of sidemen and they form this kind of oh, cool group where they all just just play every week. But your mom goes to see him. She likes the yeah. music, or she yeah, just likes she the vibe it. of the club. She loves the music and like the vibe of the club and everywhere. It's it's they, they have all these uh, photos around the club of Los Lonely Boys. I guess they started there, really, which means the Lonely Boys. In English. I did not. I wouldn't yeah. have got that. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, it's just this place like that. And so there's a premium that there in Austin on just having a good time, I guess. Yeah, definitely. really just could waste a lot of your life there. Does your mom, was she like that growing up? Was she, I mean, did she see music with you? Uh, Yeah, I remember when we were little kids, she used to take us every once in a while to like a club or something in the 70s, you know, where you could just take your seven-year-old <laughs> into a club like what kind see somebody playing really but this is just like in corpus christi where it wasn't like a big concert or anything you know she would go to see like cheech and chong or somebody like that and then leave us at home but every once in a while we'd go to some jimmy buffett show you know looked like the regal beagle basically and you so you'd so you'd see a band just a band playing there yeah yeah that's cool Oh, yeah. She was in the shows like my dad doesn't like music at all, which is always a, a red flag when someone doesn't like music. You yeah. always just go, what's wrong with you? My dad had like two albums his whole life, one of which was Bow Wow Wow. I have no idea why still. He, think he was going candy. through some sort of midlife crisis yeah. and like seeing a teenage girl singing. But Look at this girl on the cover. Ask. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other was Barbara Streisand's Broadway album. I don't know. He had a cassette of that. I have no idea why. But when my my parents met in college, and uh, they used to go see um, Kenny Ro- like Kenny Rogers was from around the area, uh-huh. and so they always used to go see Kenny Rogers' band, whatever it was, before he was in uh, Fifth Ed- what was that Fifth Edition or something. I don't know. But they always used to go see these people out and and so huh. she just never stopped going which is kind of cool didn't cause friction no no well i mean they got divorced but i don't think it was because okay of it wasn't kenny, because it wasn't because of, of kenny rogers because she says you just have one bow wow wow album <laughs> no no that was what that was way at, that was way after they got divorced oh he picked that up when later he, yeah yeah oh he's like i'll give it a try yeah maybe she was right that's so interesting you know. Did did your mom? So when you went to those, were you aware? Like my mom never took me to that. I mean, uh-huh. my mom. I remember pl- her playing me basically like James Taylor in the car and. Oh know, right, right. You know, like oh she like Jim Croce, yeah. but uh-huh. she never took. And she took me to a Beach Boys concert uh-huh. when I was like twelve or something. That's but, cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's fine. But um, well, my mom took us to see. T- took me to see uh, the cult. The cult. And Billy Idol. My mom loved Billy Idol for some reason in the mid 80s. Your mom uh, loved Billy Idol? Yeah. And it was very uh, embarrassing to watch with my mom because, uh, for one thing, Billy Idol comes out, he opens the show and goes, you know, we're going to tear the roof off this motherfucker. (laughs) And I'm just like, not in front of her. Don't, did you you see who I brought? You know, and um, he also had this big pair of legs on stage, like a, a women's legs that look like they're spread open with high heels on them. And then the picture of Billy Idol in the in the back of the stage just made it look like a, a woman's, you know, bush, basically, but mm-hmm. with spiky Billy Idol hair. And so that's what you're staring at the whole time with your mom um, while, you... while the roof is being torn off the motherfucker. It was... He did tear it off. Yeah, yeah. And what did she... and? So she knew, did she know the words of the song? Or was she like singing along? Oh, yeah. To Eyes Without a she, Face? Oh, yeah. She was in it to win it. She had whip, she liked whiplash wow. smile. I mean, is that what those turn like the whiplash? Really? Forgot to be a lover and all that, all that era. Yeah. And that was mortifying. 
Yeah, at the time. But now I just think it's really cool. But she also really would cool. just, there were certain things that would just flip her switch to the old bitch switch. You know, like for some reason, <laughs> she just hated Prince for some reason. Like you'd listen to Prince and she'd be like, that's awful. And you're like, but Billy Idol's cool. It was really kind of yeah. confusing because yeah. was, there was just no she thought hit rhyme the, or reason in a way. She thought the music was awful or just like the, the sexuality of the music was awful? Just like the, the music, I think. Just okay. like she would mishear the words and think that it was just a, a you know, like bat. Like I remember when the Raspberry Beret came out. Mm-hmm. She'd be like, she that part about, you know, it, she, she knew how to get her kicks. And, and my mom thought it said like she knew how to get a kiss. And he was just rhyming kiss with kiss or something. And she was just like, well, that's just a new low. You know, I don't know why she, I don't know why she went off on that so much. Yeah. So she's offended by the poor rhyming. But not, yeah. But said nothing about the wide spread legs with Billy Idol's hair in yeah, the middle of it. The Billy Idol hair bush. Yeah. I mean. Oh my it's, God. It's confusing. That is hilarious. Um, does she, and so now it's just, I'm fascinated by that. Every once in a while someone will oh, talk yeah? about their, their parents taking them to show or something that's so foreign to me so oh just, yeah yeah i mean i she yeah and when she would still go or like my a friend of mine never lets me forget we went to see uh um spoon one time when we were in austin and mm-hmm. and um my friend was behind us and he was just like yeah i just was just captivated by this older lady in some kind of bedazzled denim jacket. I didn't know why she was there, you know, and it turned out to be my mom. And he was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> but you, I mean, That's you, where you guys were, you know. Oh, so you knew she was there. Yeah, or like, like yeah, huh? yeah. No, I was there with her, and my friend behind us didn't, you know, realized it was us after about, you know, after the show was over and we turned around. And he was just kind of like, took me aside and was like, yeah, I was wondering who that older lady with the denim jacket is and why oh, she's... Man here yeah that's great the only music- a lot of ageism in rock is what i'm saying there's a lot of ageism yeah does she and wow and so what's her so she goes to see uh the guy from fastball are there, are there any yeah. other when she does she ever she visit likes, does she ever come out here uh yeah and do yeah. you have you seen shows out here because i feel like shows out here are a different no, we, experience i don't think we've ever seen any shows out here hmm. uh now i think about it because yeah i don't think we have actually when she comes out here, we just, it's just museum time, you know? Okay. But, uh... Back to stereotypical mom time. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Back in Austin, it's like Billy Idol. <laughs> yeah. And she... Yeah. Because she likes the white stripes. She likes she stuff... Does. Yeah. She likes What's stuff that right sounds now? like... She likes... She's really cool. I mean, she, she, she is likes very cool. stuff. But, I mean, in that way. In the other ways, she's just as totally like the squarest mom. Like, you know, I remember watching Salt and Pepper push it, and she was like, I can't believe they say that on TV. And I'm like, what? And she's like, don't make me say it. And I was like, what are they saying? And she goes, pussy good, pussy real good. And I was like, mom, they're just saying push it. And she was like, uh, she just got like a really red face and like left the room. <laughs> but then, you know, but she likes the white stripes. It's just the weirdest little... Huh. She likes things that sound like something that was old. So I think that's uh, why she likes the White Stripes because it's just like kind of early sounding rock and roll. Yeah, it or, sounds like she Led likes Zeppelin, you know. Yeah, kinda. good old fashioned rock and roll. Yeah. But when it gets to anything, you know, with a little bit of, you know, off that. She's racist. No, I'm I kidding. Wasn't, she's I wasn't not. She's no, not. I'm sure she's <laughs> not. Just because you don't like Prince. Just against or Persians. That's her weird thing. Um, <laughs> that's yeah. amazing. Well, would you like to come on Whale Cave sometime? Yeah, it'd be great. I'd love it. What is that? Oh, it's a podcast idea. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, well, Chip, thank you very much. Thank you. For being Appreciate here. It. Thanks for letting me drone on. Um, yeah, does Chip Pope droning on? All right. Chip Pope, everybody, talking about some things, including his mom being... Big music fan. Right after, because uh, I took, I'll be honest, we took a little break in between. Right after Chip was done, he uh, also mentioned, just a kind of offhandedly, yeah, she also likes Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. And she saw the killers and said, uh, I think these guys are going to go someplace. She <laughs> called it. I don't know. That's amazing to me. I think, I think Chip's underselling a little bit. 
the power of his mom's musical knowledge. Um, although my mom did say that Harry Chapin was going to be great. <laughs> she nailed that one. Um, that song was by Johnny Marr. That song uh, is called The Right Thing Right off of his album The Messenger. And um, here's a little tip, kids. If you, <laughs> you may already know this, but I, my theory is if you knew who the Smiths were in high school, you're cool. I did not. But if you're out there, Johnny Marr was a, a, in the Smiths, driving force of the music behind the Smiths. If you're listening, if you're out there, if you're, and you're listening to this online, which is happening because <laughs> this is on the internet, down, go go to iTunes, download a couple, stretch out and wait, Girl Afraid, Sheila Take a Bow, and Girlfriend in a Coma by the Smiths. And let me tell you, if you're in high school, you're going to be cool. All right? That's all I'm saying. If you want to be cool and you're in high school, download those four songs and just tell people, be like, just buy a Smiths concert shirt. It's, trust me, I didn't do it in high school. I got cut from the baseball team. I'm just saying. It's going to help you out. Okay. Let's move on. Oh, also, oh, sorry. There's one more thing. Uh, Matt Belknap during the break, always with the info, told me that Sting, actually, this is courtesy of, what is this? Inogolo? <laughs> What's this website? Oh, this, this website is inogolo.com, English pronunciation guide to the names of people, places, and stuff. Wow, they have websites for everything. Okay, he found that Sting, he found out that Sting pronounced it wrong on the album. It's not Nabokov. It's according to the actual Nabokov. He preferred it being Nabokov. So we all, we all, when I was saying that Sting pronounced it wrong, I was right, everybody. In your face, Sting. All right, just had to clear that up. Matt Belknap found that out. Okay, I'm here with a good friend of mine sitting across from me. We've, we're, uh, we've worked together on Root of All Evil featuring, er, with Lewis Black. We wrote together. She's a very talented actress. And we've uh, done a bunch of shows together. We, you see this, or we, we're going to do a new one, this great debate where we debate things uh, like, uh, like, is Ferris Bueller a hero or a tyrant? What was that one? A sociopath. Sociopath. Uh, Elise Mamoon. Hey, thanks for being here. Thanks Elise. for having me. Also, we might slip in that we call each other Rudes. We do. Which is short for uh, Rudy. Rudy. Because we were at one point in our lives both uh, we fancied ourselves Rudy from the movie Rudy because we were underdogs. Yeah. Yeah. So we call each other Rudes. So if we slip into that, if you're listening, <laughs> don't think we're calling each other rude. We're right. saying Rudes. Right. Okay, I just want to clear it up for the audience. Uh, Sting would pronounce it Rudes. <laughs> You might. You're right. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm well, thanks for being happy. here. Uh, I knew the Smiths in high school. I don't think I was cool though. But for a moment, I got. I bet you were pretty up. cool. I wasn't. Well, actually, this is. I have a long-running debate with some of my friends about mm-hmm. this. About coolness, mm-hmm. like on the nerd to cool spectrum, where yeah. we fell. And I always like to say we were off the spectrum because of our complexity. But they do not agree. Okay. So they're saying you weren't cool. Correct. Okay. But you were just saying you weren't even on the grid. Yeah, like, first of all, I was a theater person, which I feel like is slightly off, you know. Sure, you're in your own thing. The thing. I did do well in school. I didn't use drugs. That's nerdy. Okay. In some circles. Um, I did have a boyfriend, though, and he was super cool. Mm-hmm. Like, pothead cool. Okay. Um, so I feel like when you mish that all together, you come up with someone who's off the spectrum, but... A stew of maybe, right. Like I hear a little you. nerd, a little cool, a little what? That was kind of my profile, a little bit. Without the dating someone cool. Yeah. No, that helped. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't have that. Um, well, that's good. That actually sets up what, because I wanted to ask you, because we're going to get into like your like the music taste you share with your significant other. Yeah. And, or, or don't share. But I wanted to set up by getting into like, what what are your, like when you're, so when you're in high school, you say you like the Smith, or you knew they were at least. But like now, like what would you say are your music, just to set the scene for people? I think... Give me your go-tos. I think I know a few of them, but I want to... Um, that question is so dizzying. But, you know, I think I I'm an indie singer-songwriter, even folky type of gal. You're Ani DeFranco. I'm Ani DeFranco. You love her. Always loved her. Fiona I'm not Apple? afraid to say it either. I love uh, the you Fiona. You shouldn't be. Love the Fiona. Fiona. Saw her in concert recently. Mm. Amazing. Delightful. 
delightful. That so new album is amazing. I feel like you like a lot of the female singer songwriters. I like my ladies. I definitely not Your cat exclusively. Powers. Yeah, totally. Okay, but that's kind of your thing. I guess. Just if you could, you know. Sure, okay. sure. It's painful to say one thing's my thing, but okay. But sure. that's the only thing you like at all. <laughs> no, but. No, it's the opposite. Yeah. I'm no. saying, like, you know, in general, yeah. you're, you're just into that vibe, sort of. Sure. Okay. I like a lot of the stuff you like, too. I love all of your mixes all the time. I was listening to one on the way here. I appreciate it. You don't have to say that. That's true. Okay. So, but I just want to kind of set the table because we, uh, we're going to talk about your a breakup. Yeah. And another sort of genre of music that helped you in the breakup. Yeah. Um, so the breakup happened a while ago, <laughs> yeah. a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the best time. No, it was really dark. Pretty dark time. Very dark. Okay. The darkest. Right. Super dark. And the music, but your music that you, maybe we should, maybe I'm jumping ahead because with this guy, you actually had similar. Yeah. I think we liked our little indie rock and, you know, we had eclectic tastes. We liked the whole. Hot chip. Yeah. Sure. He totally liked Hot Chip. Yeah. He was kind of that guy. Yeah. A little bit. Sure. Like, oh, I know about Hot Chip. Yeah. Let me put this on. Yeah. He was from Portland, you know. Yeah. Have you heard this Passion Pit album? <laughs> he was kind of like that guy. Yeah. Okay. He had the first Blitz and Trapper album. Yeah. He you know did. what I mean? No, I don't. Okay. <laughs> he just knew about the indie band before. He was like, oh, there's a single coming out by the Fleet Foxes. Yeah. He might be that guy. Yeah. Oh, you know what he liked? He liked Gomez a lot. Sure. I don't know what that means. No, they're, look. We had an exterminator at the house today named Gomez. <laughs> and I kept, I wanted to ask him if the band, if he knew about the band Gomez, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure he did not. Um, but anyway, so you guys shared a lot of that. But then when you broke up, another genre of music that you weren't really as into kind of got you through the yeah, breakup. Yeah, my usual sort of Fiona lady singer-songwriter thing was replaced by a gangster rap phase. Okay. Tell Can me I, how you got into that. Um, okay. Well, first of all, when I was a kid, I really liked rap when it basically was first happening, mm-hmm. like Fresh Prince. I was, my mind was blown. I thought this was amazing. It's like a poem with a beat. I was really into it. <laughs> In sixth grade, I wrote, I co-wrote a rap song called Bitches at Heart mm-hmm. with my friend Amanda. I really, really wish I could remember the lyrics, but all I remember is that the intro said, <laughs> We're two bitches and we're here to say something, 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 something. And then the chorus was, because we're bitches at heart. We're not sweet. We're tart. (laughs) (laughs) Did you you drop this track? (laughs) You know, somewhere there is a little tape, cassette tape of our various songs. We had a little band. Okay. Oh, so this is one of the songs in the band. Yeah. Okay. It was our gritty song. And you had another, so you some, do you have another song too? I did, in eighth grade, I wrote a rap, or, you know, I did an homage to Ice Ice Baby, mm-hmm. but it was called Mike Mike Baby, Okay, about this guy I really love named Mike. He was super cool. Okay. Um, I do remember how that went. I don't know if you want to hear I, I want to hear a little of it, yeah. It's mostly just a repeat of the Vanilla Ice song. Sure. With a few tweaks, so it was like... Uh, Mike, Mike, baby, that fine-ass Mike, Mike, baby. <laughs> All right, stop. Look at the patio, meaning the eighth grade patio. Look at the patio and listen. Elise's Loves has a brand new addition. Mike has a hold of her heart. Heart glows like a something daily and nightly. Will it ever stop? No, I don't think so. His eyes are so bright that they glow. She's in love with Mike the Vandal. He lights her up like a candle. Mike... Is the obsession of Elise Mamoon filling her brain like a poisonous mushroom deadly? If she plays a bad melody, anything less than the best is a felony, something like that. Love her or leave her, something, something, some better dump Nadia or the kid won't play because he actually had a girlfriend named oh, Nadia man. who was in ninth grade. Chip's mom just called and did not like your rhyme. <laughs> A balloon and mushroom. I don't blame her. Didn't like that. Mm-mm. Did he ever hear the song or was this a... He didn't hear the song, but he eventually found out that I loved him so much. I sent him these anonymous valentines, signed like Passion Flower and various other <laughs> prose. And uh, I paid for him to go to the eighth grade dance, actually. You paid him? He had lost a science book. So if you had a 
unreturned textbook yeah. at the end of eighth grade, you couldn't go to the eighth grade dance. And it was like, why live if Mike wasn't going to go to the eighth grade dance? Sure. It was like $45. I asked my parents. It was just insane behavior. I bought him the thing. He shows up at the dance still wearing his street clothes from the day. He's wearing the same outfit. You know, this is like a black tie affair. OMG. I was wearing an amazing dress. Sure. OMG indeed. Yeah. Same clothes. Didn't ask me to dance. Aww. Came for like 20 minutes. Left. Did he thank you? Yeah. He was always nice to me. Okay. Oh, I helped him with his homework and stuff. Wow. Mike, Mike, baby. Yeah. Okay. So, um... <laughs> I want to hear the mashup with that and bitches at heart. By the way. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, so you you dabbled. That was solo, though. That wasn't with your band, right? That was solo. Okay, that was a, that was after the band. Yeah, that was your Johnny Marr. Okay, so <laughs> so that was really your. But you, but you weren't like into rap, and that was it, right? right? Because then once once rap got like misogynist and all the things, or maybe it had always been that. Um, I don't know the trajectory, mm-hmm. but I the misogyny trajectory. The misogyny trajectory was definitely a turnoff. And, you know, it was just, we parted ways. Rap and I parted ways. Ani DeFranco would say that Sugar Hill Gang was misogynist, probably. Probably. Just anything. And she'd say it in a really yeah. awesome, accessible yeah. way. She'd be like, rapper's delight is in the front <laughs> to the vagina. Don't, don't. The vagine. Don't, don't. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Okay, so, cut to. Okay, cut to. Right. What are we in now? Jesus. So cut We're to in. something like 2009, sure. I think. Let's cut to it. Horrific breakup. Yeah. To- stunning breakup. Haven't really listened to rap much between Mike and Mike Baby. And, I mean, you dabble. You're like, oh, a tribe called Quest. Right. Sure. You like, get in a little bit, a little I'll taste. I'll get in. I'll like we'll a taste, little sure. taste. Somebody will make a mix. I'm like, oh, I love it. You know. Wow. Yeah. Um, there was a song you once had on a mix that I loved until I realized what he was saying. It was right. by The Roots. Um it was a good song. I right, yeah. A lot. Sure. That's what I mean. You're like, oh, that's an interesting... Yeah, like, that's you fun. Said when I'm you bouncing along in, in the car. sixth grade. Like, that's a neat beat. Yeah, exactly. They're putting words to it. <laughs> and exactly. then you're like, oh, he's and then talking about... suddenly... Anal sex. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So suddenly I'm in the midst of this darkest, the dark night of my soul. Right. Totally bereft, abandoned, stunned... Really just wanting to die, listening to sad music, just wailing and moaning and sobbing all the time. You remember? Yeah, I do. Um, my sunny core was really dampened at this time. <laughs> and I was very angry in a certain way that I couldn't access. Like, I was so mad at everybody but the ex-boyfriend who brutally and unexpectedly broke up with me. Like, I thought we were getting married. Like, I had no idea a breakup was coming. But I I couldn't focus anger on him because I was so in love with him. Mm -hmm. So I would just get irritated with friends when they were like, he sucks. Like, how could he do that? He's horrible. I would just be like, no, he's wonderful. And if you don't see that, you're not my friend. Um, And one day I'm sitting in the car listening to a mix someone had made and, uh, Nate, actually. I think he's been a guest. Our friend Nate DeMeo, who was, yeah, a yeah. friend of the show. Great mix. Suddenly this little Wayne com- song comes on called Sky's the Limit. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it's called. It is amazing. To this day, I cannot hear it without crying. I can't sing along to it without crying. I just can't get through it without crying. And something just sort of stirred in my soul. I became obsessed with that song. I listened to it all the time. I started asking people for rap music. I asked you to make me a rap mix. I listened to it constantly. Mm-hmm. There was this Ghetto Boy song on that mix called My Mind is Playing Tricks on Me. Yeah. And at one point... That was a good mix I made you. It was a really good mix. Yeah. I never listened to it now. Sure. <laughs> but at the time, it was feeding something in my soul in a very deep way. Mm-hmm. The Ghetto Boy song, I remember there was this line like, oh, he realizes that he made a mistake with this bitch, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he used to do this. And then he says, now I'm realizing she was the only one who saw me through this shit. Now I'm realizing I love her. Now I'm feeling lonely. My mind is playing tricks on me. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, Ghetto vulnerability boys, yeah. is yeah. shining through in a really poignant <laughs> way. <laughs> 
And the Lil Wayne song, oh my God. I mean, if you have it, you should play it. It's so good. Any part of it is so... Even I just this part, it. he says, it's angry. It's like he's just going to, you know, make his... Well, he's going to ride around with his mother effing and... <laughs> Okay, right. that's what he's going to do. We can fill in the blanks. Right. Most likely he's going to die with his finger on the trigger. Don't worry about mine. I'm a grind till I get it. It's like, back off. Don't worry about me. This is what I'm doing. The only thing on the mind of a shark is eat. Like, fuck everybody. Um, but it's also this weird joy of like, sky's the limit. But it's so tragic because it's like maybe the sky's the limit in terms of how much money he'll make selling drugs. But the real sky like the sky of his life and his world is so small that yeah. it's very there's a paradox there that I found haunting <laughs> so yeah I mean that's basically what was happening at the time I couldn't stop listening to rap music another friend of the show Michael Blyden yep um sort of analyzed that I was borrowing Lil Wayne's anger. It was like my only outlet. Some like this force would come through me mm-hmm. when I was listening to rap music, especially I really have to say that song and Lil Wayne in general, because he also has that voice where it sounds like he's in torment. Yeah. And I kind of felt like life after a breakup um, is like life on the streets in some way. It's just <laughs> like, it's so grim <laughs> I mean, I don't even, we're all laughing, but I really mean it. It's like, it's so grim and there's this nihilism that settles in. And it's like so many rap songs say it is what it is. And it's like, yeah, that's like the deepest truth. It is what it is. There's nothing we can do about it. And it's like underneath the brutal violence of the language to me i suddenly was like connecting to how underneath it was this horrible sadness and pain Mm -hmm. of of life you know in this brutal world so suddenly whereas before it used to almost you know it would be offensive to me before now i was like oh i get it this is just this really sad defense mechanism against this world of pain that i'm living in with lil wayne like that we're all sharing I just saw it differently. And I felt like breakups are violent and brutal. I was like, yes, this is how it is. Mm-hmm. This Somebody's speaking the truth, finally. Yeah. So, you know, at, the, at that time, normally, like, Blue <laughs> by Joni Mitchell would be a heartbreak album for me. Sure. And that just wasn't cutting the mustard. It was too beautiful. Right. You know, that's too beautiful. This was, like, ugly. You put like the Magnolia the soundtrack on the shelf. Exactly. Yeah. God, Lil Wayne. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you saw Lil Wayne, would you tell him that? <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, something so crazy. Lil Wayne had this other song that I love to listen to in which... Um, By the way, no, I never would have thought you would have said that phrase, just knowing you. Like, <laughs> Lil Wayne had this <laughs> other song. Well, he has this other song where in the beginning of it, you hear they're going to, like, kill this guy, and the guy's like, oh, God, don't do it. And he's like, die, motherfucker. And then he... They start singing this sad song. Do you know the song? Yeah, I what, do. How does the chorus go? I don't, but it's I. You, you, when you told me about to the song, and I, I played it, or I got on Spotify it's or whatever. Like, and I'm grinding. To, shoot, I can't remember how it goes. But the funny thing is, that year I was working with teenagers in an unrelated job, like troubled teens, and mm-hmm. I had this total gangster kid, and he was telling me about his life, and he started saying Lil Wayne lyrics without quoting them, just as though it were his own life and i'm like isn't that a little wayne song and he was so shocked that this <laughs> yeah. like uptight little white lady that he was forced to sit in a room with knew that and we bonded ever yeah i'm sure we like connected Probably saved that kid's life <laughs> so your breakup kind of saved that kid's life i wish that i hope so that would definitely dignify the whole <laughs> experience so Lil wayne gets you through this period and yeah. then you meet another guy yeah, much later. Much later, right. Yeah, there was a very long grieving period. Oh, no, I'm not selling short the grieving period. Thank you. I'm not saying it was a couple of listens to Lil Wayne. <laughs> You're like, wow, I'm totally better. <laughs> oh, my God. This is great. The cure, the antidote. Yeah. No, so, a while yeah, later. Long, a while later, new guy. New guy. Really good guy. Great guy. And now you're engaged. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, but now there's a new sort of musical... Issue. Yeah. Which I thought would be funny to discuss. Yeah. He, 
I know a lot of people think it's trite when couples complain. They're like, oh, he doesn't like the same music, and I like French country, and he mm-hmm. likes minimalism. But actually, those things become very important. <laughs> Wait, what, what are the two? Who is this couple? It's us. The French it's me couple. And Nick. And mini- oh, really? No, it's like French country decor. Oh, okay. Versus like minimalism. Which I, I thought you were talking so about annoying. two styles of music. Oh. <laughs> like, what, what couple? Oh, do you is not this? like French country music? No. It's the best. But I love minimalism. <laughs> Um, no. In the music world, he is a big electronic head. Okay. In a very, you know, he's an academic, so his knowledge of this is very deep. So I don't want to minimize it, mm. as he will be listening, probably. And I remember even on our second or third day, he was talking about it. I don't even, I have no idea what he was saying. It was like he was giving me highfalutin academic theory about the nuances of electronic music. And all I knew is that the music made my skin crawl. Like, right. I hated it so much. I know it's a huge genre, so that's not fair. I'm sure there are some songs and some instances, but I hate it. <laughs> also, he goes to Burning Man, which is just like an unrelenting week of listening to electronic music in the scorching heat. This is his favorite right. thing. This is his annual, you know, paradise. His heaven is like, that is my nightmare. Burning Man is my nightmare. Doesn't he burn the man? Isn't he one of the guys he that totally helps? Burns, I mean, everybody burns the man. But I'm, Oh, I thought he was like at the forefront. I thought he was literally the guy who was like, I've got the match. Or whatever. <laughs> he probably is. He's gone 10 times. Right. I thought he, I thought they were like, hey, where is he? <laughs> it's eight o'clock. <laughs> I don't know. But no, he's not that, that big on the. Maybe. Who do, I don't oh. know. I don't know. Cause I'll never I literally go. just in talking to him, I thought, oh. <laughs> Well, he's very industrious. Or he built the man. Or there's like something. There's a lot of building over there. Exactly. There's a ton of building. There's a lot of building. Maybe he built something else. Yeah. Everybody's erecting these giant art pieces. Um, It's all very esoteric um, to me. Right. Sure. His his tastes from music to art. I don't understand it at all. Sounds like a good match. Go ahead. Well, so that, you know, definitely raised all these existential questions. Like, what does it really mean in the day-to-day of the relationship? I mean, you you have this a little bit, I think, with your... Yeah, I've talked about this before, about Tamara and I, but I guess it was trite when I talked about it, at least. <laughs> no, no, I'm no, saying the very No, no, opposite. I'm saying, yeah, yeah, I have but, that, we have that music, definitely musically. It's like, it doesn't come up that often, but when it does, it feels really alienating. Like, who is a person that doesn't like this song, but likes that song? Right. Like, it, it really messes up it's my brain. It's the Chip's mom, Chip's dad yeah, sort of thing. exactly. I don't know how they got through it. Well, they didn't. Oh. <laughs> they got divorced. Sorry, Chip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, my dad liked to listen to, you know, Tunisian Arabic music that my mother hated. And they, sure. t- they too, split ways. They parted. Okay. So that was a concern, but ultimately, you know, love triumphed. Sure. Cut to last Thursday. <laughs> Nick says, and, you know, he, he does have eclectic music taste, too. That's not yeah. all he listens to. So we can definitely come together. Um he likes metal too. Actually, speaking of metal, oh, going back totally. to the beginning, he invited me to see like some show in Anaheim. There was oh some, someone was coming. It was either it wasn't Metallica, but it was. I a feel like big, it was Metallica. I think it was like Dokken. It was like a little bit or Dio. Anyway, there was some show that was. It could have been Metallica, but but he likes that too. He he definitely likes metal. Yeah, I don't know what is going on. He was there. trying to sell me on. It. I was like, yeah, you're not. There's not a lot. of... <laughs> If you were like, go for the novelty, I'd be like, okay. Like, that's more, but... Oh, yeah. But right. anyway, sorry, go ahead. Well, so, and, and sometimes I've Thursday. accompanied him to concerts or something and said to myself, go for the novelty. Go to be a good support system. Sure. Just, you know, be cool. It's just an experience. You don't have to like it. You don't have to buy the record. But when I hear music I don't like, and I this is going to relate to ultimately what I where I've come to about this, it makes my, it makes me livid. I get enraged when I listen to music I don't like. I feel like my body is burning up or something. Like, mm-hmm. I'm so uncomfortable, I can't take it. Uh-huh. Um, however, when he asked us to go to this concert last week, or he asked me to go to this concert, that his friend, like his friend's band or something, he's like, oh, you know, they'll be a little avant-garde, but, you know, it'll be a really cool show. I just sort of took that at face value. Mm-hmm. To be fair, I don't think I read the email because he invited the email. <laughs> I didn't read it very carefully. I just saw the friend, and I know the friend. He's a great guy. Um, 
I just saw the friend, music, a little avant-garde. Now, maybe I'm naive. When I hear avant-garde music, I think like Bjork or like Bon Iver. Like it's just going to be a little different, but awesome. And I invited my friend Lucy. She invited all these friends. We all went out first. We were like drinking and having fun and talking and laughing. And in this like upbeat, let's go to a music show mood. Right. And we walk into this tiny white art gallery with like six people sitting on the floor and this ridiculous young guy who looks like a character on Girls or something, some, you know, hipster guy running around with these speakers or I don't know. There was no instruments. By the way, when I hear music show, I think there will be instruments, right? vocals, some kind of right. music thing. <laughs> yeah. He's scurrying around, and this is what we are hearing. Oh, and we're shushed in. You know, people are quietly sitting on this floor, and you're hearing. (laughs) And sounds like that all coming together in this cacophony. (laughs) My friends and I are just frozen looking at each other. We're not allowed to talk. It's, from my perspective, just the most ridiculous thing in the world and there are all these you know these few art head people i don't know what i don't know what it takes to think that is good right. it takes a whole other plane of understanding that i don't have but that music's coming out of these little yes speakers the the hipster kid had yes it's like all computer sounds i guess huh. it's just ambient sounds and that's a thing i didn't know that was a thing Okay, my bad. I didn't know that was like a genre of music where you just listen to sounds. It sounded like it's French country. It sounded though. like <laughs> it sounded like a house alarm mixed with a construction worker mixed with like maybe some <laughs> vague background like oh, just all wow together. Sounds horrible. And the thing happened to me where I felt livid, like not well, sure, but really, it's like not very proportional reaction. I should just be like, oh, this is ridiculous. I'm leaving. Like, I don't like this. Have fun. But instead, it's like my blood's boiling and I want to kill Nick. <laughs> and to his defense, he was like, I said in the email that this was an avant-garde, ambient, blah, blah, at an art gallery. And he's right. I just couldn't possibly fathom that that's what that meant. Right. I just, it was so insane. I made him take me home before his friend hadn't even gotten on. Oh, that wasn't his friend. No, it was like there was oh. going to be four groups. That was the opener? <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> but it was all going to be something that like that, I think. Wow. And there was going to be four 20-minute sets, and that was the first one. Eek. I just knew I wouldn't survive, and I tried to take like a meditative approach, like just be with this, like just sure. be, be here. And if you feel the frustration, just like feel the frustration, you notice it. It's like, No. You know, I don't need to seek out irritation and frustration. I'm already alive. I don't need to, like, go to an art gallery and, like, feel disgusting and horrible <laughs> and, and you know, come to a revelation based on how disgusting and horrible the art is making me feel. Right. So Nick takes me home. He's being reasonable and calm. And I'm saying to myself, you got to leave. He's taking you home. You really have no right to be angry. Um just fine. You got what you wanted. You got to leave. But I do. So I'm saying that to myself, but I'm having a hard time not um, giving what he calls my Vietnam stare out the window. <laughs> and he's like, actually, I thought it was sublime. And I was like, that's it. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. Like sublime. I'm just so. And it's like what happens to me in those moments. I've realized not the is, band sublime. He thought it was right. <laughs> yeah, he okay. thought it was like sublime, like transcendent. Oh, okay. Like something really positive happened to him there. Um, and I think what happens is I get very lonely. Like I'm living on a whole other universe where that doesn't make sense at all. But he's living in a universe where. That's wonderful. It's right. like, I can't. I don't even have the language to explain how horrible it feels. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and by the way, I should say that that friend who I didn't see and who's a wonderful guy is like kind of a big deal in that world. Like he worked with Animal Collective to transform the Guggenheim into this whole thing, hmm. and he was a sound engineer at the Merce Cunningham Studio. He worked with Laurie Anderson. He's like. Uh, he has actually made a thriving career as being an avant-garde musician. So obviously that's a world. It's a thing. I just don't get it. Right. 
Wait, the guy with the speakers or the guy you blew off that was like going to be an hour later? The guy I blew off. Was, okay. I'd like to not say I blew off, but. I'm sorry. I, I'm paraphrasing. Right. The guy I didn't see. Yes. The guy you. Just yes. want to say. He's you missed. Like a you just real, missed. I'm sure they're all geniuses too. It's like they're all like all those players, all those musicians were like professors of music at Princeton. It's like they're doing something on such an insane level. I right. felt like a Tea Party member. Like, I don't know what all this ruckus is about. This is stupid. You're a, you're, yeah, you're a Tea Party member of the avant-garde music scene. Yeah, I am. You just want it to stop. Yeah. Right. But then you also said you had a revelation after that. Right. Right. So the revelation was basically, because music means so much to me and Nick, that's actually a shared mm-hmm. value. It's just that we differ on our tastes, but we have the same you know, passionate feelings about it. And I think what I realized that for me, like, I was thinking, why couldn't I just have the experience? Why couldn't I just um, lighten up about it, basically? Mm -hmm. And I think my revelation was that for me, music, I go to music without even thinking about it, just reflexively to mirror the world as I see it. It's like, that's, I want to hear, and that's why I like singer-songwriters a lot, um, because I'm a verbal person and I like to hear words that capture how I'm feeling in addition to the sound of the music and their voices. It's like I like it to mirror how the world occurs to me. And that's why I loved rap music in that brief, miserable time, because that was how the world seemed. Mm-hmm. Now the world seems more like, you know, as you say, Fiona's latest album. But when I hear something so alienating, I feel very alone in the world. And that's why I get so mad. That was a sure. revelation. Wow. Like when you read a book, it's like, I want to read a book about a character that's like, oh, that's me. You know, I just want my experiences to be mirrored. That's deep, man. Yeah. It's very Nabokov. It was a really <laughs> deep Nabokov. I've been saying that, was, that wrong, too. That was Nabokovian. That was my revelation. I love that. Well, I think you and I like you guys came together at the end. You know, he, at least you came to. He was great. He did nothing wrong. I just want to say for the record, but I don't doubt it. Yeah, we tr- <laughs> <laughs> knowing him a little. I don't doubt it. We triumphed Your over fault. that. <laughs> I well, reject that. Well, <laughs> but the other question I want to ask you: Did you when you left the show, um, not ditch the guy? <laughs> was Lucy like, hey, where are you going? Like, did you? Oh, no, they left within two minutes. Oh, okay. It's like from a normal perspective, that was insane. Like, of course they left. They were human beings. We were out being humans, talking and just doing right. normal things. Right. Enjoying life. And then you heard that. Well, thank you for sharing that. That open, honest. Thank you for letting me. Tale of love and music. My feelings. Yeah. I, uh, I'm glad, and I'm also glad you're open to the, the ghetto boys now. And Yeah, there's a part of my heart that will always be a little bit open to them. Hope you enjoy more rap music, my moon. <laughs> Thanks, Rudes. Thanks for being here, Rudes. Well, that about does it for this episode of Whale Cave. In fact, that does do it. This episode's over. I want to thank Chip Hope. Chip Hope's mother had a big appearance in this one. I'm going to thank her, too. Elise Mamoon. Uh... Matt Belknap, of course, always with the information. He's giving me a thumbs up quietly. Um, hey, you like the show? Give us some whale howls on iTunes. We would really appreciate it. I would appreciate it. And uh, we're going out now with this song by Johnny Marr called New Town Velocity. It's off his album, The Messenger. Please check it out. And thanks so much for listening. 